This is Don't Forget the Small Stuff, and today we're talking about Groundhog Day. So, Chris, uh, with all the partying you've done after the Super Bowl win, do you want to throw up now or on the recording? I think... uh, Both. Who could go for some flapjacks right now? (laughs) Me! Welcome to Don't Forget the Small Stuff, the podcast that celebrates the overlooked and forgotten little moments in films. I'm Jess, and with me today is Andy. Hello. And back again is Chris. Hey. Uh, You can find us online at smallstuffcast.com. We are at smallstuffcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And you can contact us using email at smallstuffcast.com. Also, our music is by Skeleton King. You can find more of Skeleton King's work by following the link in the show notes. So before we start talking about Groundhog Day, Chris, uh, have you had a good week? Lots of Super Bowl celebrations? Yeah, amazing. Uh, Parade on on Wednesday. Um, I didn't go to the parade, but I watched it on TV. It was... They estimated there were close to a million people downtown. It was a big party. The rest of the city. The rest of the city went. It really is... um, yeah, right. I was the only one. Uh, it really is. It's just amazing to be in a city that is directly involved in an event like the Super Bowl. It's it's just it's cool to be part of a community where the whole um, country is kind of focused on you for that mm-hmm. week, and to be the center part of the biggest party the country throws every year is it's, it's cool. It's a great energy. Uh, people are you know high fiving at gas stations. Getting gas. That's amazing. Wearing cheese gear, talking to each strangers, talking to each other, that kind of vibe. It's it's fun. And then, you know, when they win, it's fun afterwards, too. Yeah. So do you, um, you've now experienced this, well, the Chiefs twice winning the Super Bowl and the Royals winning the World Series. How do they, how do they yes. compare? Which, did you, which do you prefer, the Royals winning the World Series or the, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? It's kind of not fair. Um, I'll go ahead and say the Royals, but it's kind of like saying which child do you like the best. Um, and the only reason why I would say the Royals is just because anybody who knows anything about baseball, like the idea that the Royals won a Super Bowl or won a World Series mm-hmm. is, I'm not sure that it happened. Like if yeah. you said, no, you they didn't. That was a dream you had. I'm like, it must have been a dream because I don't think the Royals would ever in any universe be capable of winning a World Series. Um, with Patrick Mahomes... On the team, it's like, this is kind of crazy to say, and I don't 100% believe this, but I kind of feel it a little bit. With Patrick Mahomes in five years as a starter, they've won two Super Bowls and been to a third, and I kind of feel like they've underachieved. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) He's that level, that's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, there's not... I wouldn't have to make a whole lot of crazy what-ifs to get to five Super Bowls in five years. I really would just talk about three or four plays. Yeah. Didn't they make, they've made the AFC championship game every, every year. Every single year. Yeah. Okay. And the two they lost, they lost in overtime. Yeah. Well, that says everything, doesn't it? But yeah, it's been, it's a thrill ride. So. He's your guy, huh? My guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. So before we get on to the main thrust of this pod, uh, I just wanted to shout out and apologize for my assessment of aliens technology <laughs> last time. <laughs> 
I spent a good deal of the last pod ragging on the um, portrayal of future tech with current technology. I spent a good deal of time messing with chat GPT this week. It turns out that is mother. They did it perfectly. I take mm-hmm. it all back. Aliens portrayal of future tech is perfect. Yeah. Because you. as chat GPT or, or Bing, as I used it, is presenting you with its answers, it types out letter by letter, doesn't it? And it Literally. appears yeah, yeah as, a, as, as if someone was typing it, just mm. like Mother did. Yeah, yep. yeah. The only thing is missing is the noise. But there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I reprimanded myself. Yeah. Well, good for you. And also shame on you. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. No, I think we all did our fair share of um, <laughs> criticising a 10 out of 10 film last Still time. Still a 10. Yeah. Mm. Okay, let's talk Don't about... Don't forget the small stuff, the, uh, the podcast that holds itself accountable. I like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> High standards. Yeah. Okay, good. So we're expecting apology from you for some gaffe or other, Chris, next time you're on. No, I apologize no. for everything. <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk about uh, Groundhog Day, directed by Harold Ramis. So this is uh, the second Harold Ramis film we've done on Don't Forget the Small Stuff after Lashman Lampoon's Vacation. Before we get into the movie, I just want to take a minute to talk about the genre itself. Uh, first of all, I'm kind of, you know, I'm blindsiding you with this question, so you're not going to be prepared. But as far as we are concerned, is this the first repeating day story put on film? Oh, the only other one that off the top of my head I can think of is um, the Tom Cruise film. What's it called? Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. That's, that's I'm sure there are others, but I can't think of them. Palm Springs, one of my favorites. I love okay. that one. Mm. There's a Happy Death Day. Uh, there's been several. Oh, and um, Source Code. One. Source Code is, Source is code. amazing. Source Code, yeah. Um, I think this might be the created the genre. But I wanted to really quickly just um, a criticism of the genre. Okay. So Phil re- reawakens every day. He doesn't age, mm-hmm. right? He's the exact same. Mm-hmm. Because we're to assume, like, he doesn't go through physiological changes. Uh, and so he, some people well, have estimate he's there for 10,000 years. I mean, we know he doesn't, right? Because he he dies and then he's alive he dies, again. Right. Yeah. right. Well, making memories is a physiological change. It's creating dendrites in the brain. Oh. Um, so he shouldn't have memories. So he shouldn't remember all of that. Yeah, but okay, no. No, I'm not having it, Chris. I'm not having it because <laughs> because it's... You know, it's magic, right? It's supernatural. It's uh, that's one of the great things about. And I was just about to say this. It's what separates, potentially anyway, because I haven't seen a lot of them. But at least the two repeating day other the other two repeating day films I've seen, uh, they actually go to lengths to explain why the day is being repeated. Groundhog Day never does that. It never tries to explain anything, and that's one of the great things about it. It's not a why. It's a I don't know what the other word is. It's a, you know, it's what it means for Phil, rather than why it's happening in, to him. Yeah, think about it's, Star Wars when they tried to dis- explain the Force with yeah. midichlorians. Yeah, midichlorians. Yeah. It's rubbish. Exactly. Well, yeah. let me just put a bow on this then by saying so. I think would be uh, some um, up and coming young screenwriter out there. Here's an idea for you. How about a repeating day uh, movie? Where the person starts, um, like the you ever seen the movie Big, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, but what if the person did age? So okay. he wakes up every day, 
in his childhood bed, but it's been 50 years of this, and he wakes up as a 50, 60 year old man now. So, what, so every day, <laughs> every day, people would be like, "Dude, you look awful." What's happened right like, oh, you look yeah. worse than you did before or every day <laughs> every day his mum go, goes why Comes is there a the 50 room. year old man yes <laughs> exactly i'd watch that so there'd be a twist a twist yeah. on the genre mm. there somebody needs to write it i like it oh dear right. or, or, or is there a is there a version of this where everyone else ages but you don't uh, i don't know I, oh I there you go. There's two new tweet tweaks to the genre. Be interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's start with the small stuff. The opening, the opening credits, or not the opening credits, but the the stuff with the clouds at the beginning, um, the, the titles, if you like. That's all a bit weird. Oh, the clouds. I'm not quite sure I get it, but it's got like circus music. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? There's a weird detachment between the mm. credits and the the film. Uh, but anyway, we meet phil in the weather the new studio i'm gonna just point out something obvious here um phil is an awesome weatherman oh yeah <laughs> which i make i make of course it's bill murray like what would be more awesome than bill murray being doing your daily weather but like i wish that my weatherman was that entertaining that's why he's a star right that's why major networks are interested in him well, they, that's the weird thing, though. They almost, like, poke fun. Like, nobody's interested in this guy. I'm like, they should be. He's incredible. Well, I think, you know, Larry will probably come up later, but Larry is not happy with Phil just in general. He doesn't like him, and so he takes any opportunity he can. That's to because Larry a is a downbeat, grumpy so-and-so yeah. Yeah. and is jealous of Phil's natural mm-hmm. talent in front of the camera. Larry. For... Yeah. <laughs> Though there's that section actually after he so he does the weather forecast right so he goes back to the desk sits down next to hairdo and as soon as, as soon as they're off camera he bolts and leaves immediately he's like he's not there for any longer than he wants to be uh it always makes me chuckle the way the style of which and the speed in which he gets up very funny the the tv station is seems to be beneath him mm-hmm. until yeah. until it isn't until he needs it for you know like getting a date with Nancy, uh, but right. but before that, I mean, he, he does act like I mean, he, he's so disrespectful to all his colleagues. <laughs> so yeah, he's well. I mean, I guess that's the whole point, isn't it? He's mm-hmm. he's not a very nice guy, but a great weatherman. Yeah. Uh, then we get the and like a what like a, a second layer of credits with um with the I'm your weatherman music mm-hmm. over the top. Just awful. Yeah. <laughs> what the, the song what the look, what was going on like this goes back to our discussion on national lampoon's vacation as well uh christmas vacation yeah. sorry like just at that era the, what were they doing like what, what was going on with these songs they were creating for opening credits and these little mm. montages they just so on, the, boys, this isn't hard this will be another va- uh, christmas vacation or vacation reference rather um we talked about how good Holiday Road was yeah. with Lindsay Buckingham. But I think they must have just been drunk on how successful that song was. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they did it really well, so let's have a go. Yeah. yeah. Who wrote that song? Do we know? No. I don't. I, don't do. I mean, I assume no one notable. I just had one comment about the, the their trip to Punxsutawney. I love it when Phil in... Uh, does that impression of Rita doing the groundhog thing <laughs> yeah. when he looks at himself in the mirror? That's the first little 
glint, you realise that actually Phil's all right. Maybe you know he's got he's he's got something about him that isn't completely awful. And, and he, he he just kind of makes a nice little joke about her, and he's he's quite cute. And I, yeah, it kind Chris, of humanises him for briefly. It does. Chris, do you like blood sausage? Never had it. There we are. I don't even know what blood sausage is. I think it's black pudding in the UK. Okay. I think so. No. No, it's all right. We will move on to the first Groundhog Day. So he wakes up in his room with the now famous, well, I mean, it was famous at the time, I guess, but it's made even more famous by this movie uh, song playing on the clock radio. I, I, I have a note about right when he wakes up. Mm-hmm. So he's perfectly tucked into bed. It looks like he hasn't moved. Like, it looks like, first of all, I can't remember the name of the woman that runs the house, but... Mrs. Lancaster. She, Mrs. Lancaster. Yep. She come and tucked him in because, like, it's like a perfectly creased sheet at the top. He's laying flat on his back. Looks like nothing has moved. And and so I checked. I wanted to check and see later on in the movie. There, there's a the time when he breaks the pencil when he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't go to bed like that. When he gets under the covers, they're all rumpled and disheveled. So... What's Phil doing in his well, sleep? Well, well, so, uh, steady on about the pencil thing. Remember, the, the the pencil thing has no bearing on how he wakes up the next day. How he wakes up the next day is based on how he went to bed the uh, the point. night bef- the the first night. Good point. Yeah, and it's I so think weird. I think it's an indication of how well he sleeps at night. Like he has no remorse he has no i don't know you know what you know you, you hear the phrase often like how do you sleep at night like because you're not a very nice person he doesn't have that he doesn't care he sleeps very soundly thank you very much doesn't yeah, toss doesn't and turn mm-hmm. yeah thank you yeah uh, maybe you're right yeah those those sheets are creased though i mean that is he is he is tucked in mm-hmm. he's sw- it's like he's swaddled like a yeah. small child yeah. mm-hmm. Strange. We get to see, uh, we get to meet Ned Ryerson for the first time. I just want to go back real quick. Okay. Just before we before we meet Ned, I just want to say how, um, you know, you've talked a, a few times in the past, Chris, about how there will be phrases from films that have seeped into your everyday mm-hmm. usage, right? I think more than many for me, if anyone says something about something is on everyone's lips. I always, always, <laughs> like under my breath, say oh, they're chapped lips. Chapped lips. Chapped lips. I also go. need to uh, um, point out real quickly too about when he wakes up in the morning. So I, apparently, I'm fixated on his waking up routine. Uh, but they're in um, Punxsutawney and um, Pennsylvania. The clock goes off at six a.m. Mm-hmm. And it's right outside oh yeah yeah yep. um, on the 2nd of february yeah on the 2nd of february is somebody that wakes up every year on the 2nd of february about six o'clock it's not bright outside it's really really dark it doesn't get bright for quite a while actually that's awkward mm. just a oh, little nitpick there mm. i think we're gonna stop now that's just it all I'm right gonna, that's, yeah i'm done that's ruined it for Throw me. the whole movie out yeah, yeah. didn't that's work it. nope <laughs> Go on, now, ba- brain dendrites and and uh, and and sun cycles where movies is a sham. <laughs> Let's talk about Ned then, Andy. Yeah, um, we'll talk about Ned. I think a few uh, a couple of times. It'll come up. Yeah. So 
I just feel like it's my duty to point out his hat. We talk about hats from time to time. Well, we're adding it to the, yeah, the yeah. categories later on, so don't worry. No, I'm, I'm going to stick Ned mm. Ryerson's hat. Needle-nosed Ned. Ned the head. His hat goes straight in to the ballot for best hat. Well, yeah, I missed the, the prom because he had shingles. Yeah, <laughs> one like great thing about Ned when he's he's trying right at this this scene when he's trying to get Phil to recognize him, he lifts his hat up as if to say, <laughs> "Look, you... do you recognize me now without the hat?" Yeah, like I was bold at high school. Yeah, I've got no hair. <laughs> Phil, hey, Phil. Phil? Phil Connors? Phil Connors, I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned! Ryerson! Needle nose Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad senior year, almost didn't graduate. Bing! Again! Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well? Ned Ryerson? Bing! Bing! And by the way, I do assume that Ned's what Ned looked like in high school. Yeah, no hair. Male pattern baldness. Yeah. He probably was born like that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I have a nice connection to Ned here, too. Uh, so my nephew, uh, who is in his 20s now and listens to the pod, by the way. So shout oh. out to my nephew. Uh, his name is Jed. Okay. And we call him Jed the Head. And he even knows Jed. <laughs> uh, he did not miss his prom. He did not ask my sister uh, <laughs> yeah. as well. So, well Has uh, he had shingles? I love that whole thing. So <laughs> Phil's sister is called Mary Pat, by the way. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not a good name. Oh, Sorry man. to all that the Mary Pats. That how you should remember him is incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, did he? Did he did the whistling belly button? No, what trick. is that? Yeah, what is the whistling belly button? I can't even. In all your years teaching high school, Chris, have you come across a whistling belly button trick? I have absolutely come across a oh. whistling oh. belly button. Oh my god! On more than one occasion. I, what right. is it? The classic gag. Is I, it? I, uh, you wear a you wear a giant. Um, like you, you, you create like a giant top hat that covers the top half of your body. Then you pull your shirt up and you draw two eyes and a nose on your belly. And then the belly button becomes the mouth. And then, uh, you use your hands to squeeze your belly together and make it look like you're whistling. And then under the giant hat, you add the whistling noises. I'm kind of glad that I didn't know what that was. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not missing it in my life. Oh, it's I, an American staple. Well, yeah, elite level <laughs> entertainment, fabulous. <laughs> uh, right, is uh, are we all done with Ned chat for the moment, or are we have we got more to say about Ned? Not right now. Okay, right. Ned, stay tuned for more Ned chat later on potentially. Yeah. All right, then um, he's he's going to Gobbler's Knob uh, to to do his report on the the groundhog. I just wanted to comment on all of the guys on the stage with all the top hats. Yeah. They are all so happy. Everyone is this so happy. This is what they live for. They are like the Groundhog Committee, and for 12 months of the year, they have been building up to this moment. They are so happy. Now, I don't want to make out that this is not as good as they all think it is. But Rita <laughs> mentions that some of them have been partying 
all night. Yeah. What? They sing songs. They, they, they get, get cold. Yeah. Get, 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 I go to the fire. They warm there's, up and they come back and they sing some more. Yeah. There's very few things that would make me party all night. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not one of them. I don't get it. Like loads of Is it that good a thing? I, I don't want to be little, right? But Not even for a giant squirrel predicting the weather? I mean, even if Bill Murray was there, I'm not even sure I would. No, it's fair. I, I do love his, his bit to camera at the end of that when he says, this is one of the times where TV <laughs> doesn't do justice. <laughs> well, I, I will go ahead and say that, um, Jess, you, you know, you've, you've uh, had a foot in both worlds, so maybe you understand this a little bit than it. Uh, this is small town America we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems right. It, it fits to me. I think so <laughs> too. Like if if the small town where we went to college, Chris, was nationally famous for something, one yeah. day a year, it became not the center of American, but you know what I mean. It it. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, the news crews from Des Moines and Kansas City would <laughs> co- yeah. come together. Uh, then, then I could understand the the townsfolk would be they they'd make the most of it, wouldn't they? The, yes, I would think so. Yeah, so it's fair. It's because a fair the very point. little happens in those towns otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. He, yeah I suppose right. I suppose I don't I don't not understand the partying on the day that I. Uh, Groundhog Day Eve overnighter. I'm not buying it. No, I don't know. Well, this is their Super Bowl, man. This yeah, is that's right. I mean, I, you know, it, clearly it does happen on a yearly basis. Maybe, maybe I should do some research before criticizing. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, at least internationally, nobody knew about Groundhog Day until no. this film no. came out, and I'm sure it's it's Punxsutawney is probably properly invaded now. Yeah. I mean, my <clears throat> my daughter's birthday is very close to Groundhog Day, and I was very disappointed when it wasn't Groundhog Day. Right, and that's you know ridiculous, really. Mm. I was thinking all the Groundhog Day jokes I could do on her birthday. <laughs> I think Andy will be doing another apology at the beginning of the next pod, by the way. But we'll just angry Puxatawney residents. Up until this point in the film, right. It's just a regular old film. And as you said, Chris, the repeating day genre didn't really exist at this point. So if you didn't know anything about the film, I mean, I went to the cinema with with my mom, I think, to watch this when it first came out. If you didn't know anything about it, I don't remember how I felt or if I knew the twist. But you'd be like, okay, this is just a a humorous tale about a grumpy weatherman and Groundhog Mm -hmm. Day. But then you know something's up when he wakes up and the, the, the same song's playing and the... Can we just, before that, he goes to bed, and before he goes to bed, he has a shower in what I think is yeah. the worst shower I've ever seen. <laughs> right, oh, I've, a, seen, I've seen some worse. It's like over a bath, and it's got a, a rail around, and mm. the rail is wobbling as he's, you know, he's fiddling with the tap because it's cold water, and everything's moving at once, and the shower curtain's sticking to him. <laughs> anyway, he gets out, and we often talk about repeated lines. The mm-hmm. amount of times I've addressed my mum as Yo Mama, and she's like, what? And I, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's stuck in my head. And Mrs. And, Lancaster's response to his question about the hot water is amazing. Yeah. So, I don't know, there wouldn't be today. With no explanation as to yeah. why not. Yo, Mum, isn't there any hot water? <laughs> oh, no, there wouldn't be today. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. That's silly. 
that's and she what just I wanted to bring off. that up. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, wait, this, like they're not in like the you know the deepest, darkest jungles that, that have not been civilized or habitated yet. Like, they're in a fairly large town. Why is there no hot water? Oh, there wouldn't be today. You don't have running hot water. <laughs> that makes no sense. Well, the like. Their hot water tank is empty, I guess. There's been so many guests Specifically in the... today. <laughs> yeah. Like, she well, knew already. Because they're busier. They're busier on Groundhog Day than any other day. Right? I, uh, no, I'm, um, I'm making excuses. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. The second Groundhog Day starts. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I'm going to anyway. When he goes to Rita and says, I need you to slap me, she does not hesitate. And she gives him a good slap. It's yep. brilliant. Like she, she's quite happy to hit this rather obnoxious guy in the face. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. A couple of things. So before he gets to Gobbler's Knob, he goes down to the um, restaurant, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it there. Um, and Mrs. Lancaster, she's great, isn't she? Yep. Do you ever have deja vu? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I can ask the chef. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the little chit-chat about the weather and Phil's... He's just, he's just a nasty man, isn't he, at this point? Yeah. He's just cantankerous. He can't be bothered with people. Or they're beneath him. I like that little exchange. Oh, it's so good. Um, and she kind of nervously laughs it all off. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, can we... Um, this this is going to step a little bit on my category, but I have to, I'll try and stay out of the way. Mm. Uh, Mrs. Lancaster runs a pretty nifty little bed and breakfast yeah apart from the hot water issue it's, mm. it's well excellent. the hot water okay yeah. but yeah. at breakfast she's got laid out looks pretty good the room is amazing it, it's uh, it's an amazing room it's like yeah it's a suite almost it's looks like in a yeah. chateau as well yeah. it's like it, it's real nice isn't yeah. it yeah people hanging out watching jeopardy in the afternoon yeah, yeah. why are they doing that i don't know it turns into like an old people's I home doesn't it? exactly it's really that. weird yeah. His room is so nice, it seems, that at the end of the day, he goes to bed at what appears to be four o'clock. Yeah. I, that was my note. Like, does he go to bed at 4.04 a.m. or p.m.? That's not a.m., is it? It can't be. But it's, he's got the light on, so I wasn't sure. Like, was it dark out at that point? But maybe because the, sun, the sun's up at six, it probably sets much earlier in Punxsutawney. Right, yeah. <laughs> you can only assume he's had an unfortunate day, right? So he's he's confused and would rather just forget about it i don't know yeah yeah that's true but i mean he's yeah. taking he's taking some medication of some kind at that point so yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah then there comes like he he is now kind of coming to terms with this repeating day situation and the next day chris did you have anything about the the third groundhog day yeah so um only that the timing of it shouldn't work because on the third day, he speeds through the house. He doesn't talk to anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. He runs out. And so when he gets outside and, and the piano teacher's crossing the street, mm-hmm. he should be there way before that. He should be there way before, like, because the the show, the movie definitely establishes that he doesn't change other people's routines. Yeah. Um, the boy falls out of the tree, whether no matter what he does. And so, yeah, like those people shouldn't be there. No, I know. I, I try and avoid nitpicking as well, but I think that one, because he, he doesn't stop to chat to the guy on the the hallway. He doesn't stop to chat to Mrs. Lancaster. He's jogging down the stairs and yeah. out through the gate. And yet 
there's the piano teacher walking by and yeah it's um yeah i noticed it so, as well doesn't he go before he hangs out with the lads mm-hmm. he goes to see a psychiatrist right he has a medical exam <laughs> yes so how is the director doctor. Yeah. yeah and then he goes for a, <laughs> i guess a psychiatry appointment or whatever you want to call it and the guy is clearly ill-equipped to deal with phil's problems out of his depth yeah and he's not even got a um it's strange isn't it because you'd assume someone in that role would have at least some comforting words and he's just completely nervous he's like the worst is he must have just come out of college or something yeah he's bad he's like he just doesn't have the the tools to deal with any situation let alone one he's not been taught about in college um I, I do like the way he justifies his, his uh, status by telling him he's got an alcoholic now, which I think, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm, I'm, a real, I'm a real psychiatrist here. Yeah. I've got an alcoholic. We're going to jump ahead. I think at this point, once he came to terms with living the same day over and over again, he's now trying to, to use it to his advantage, isn't he? Yep. And uh, the, <laughs> the day where he tries to... He picks up Nancy Taylor. So, Nancy, um, there's no one here called Nancy, by the way. It sounded like I was addressing her. (laughs) (laughs) Phil's obviously decided to use his position to his advantage in in various ways. And he focuses his initial tensions on Nancy Taylor. Now, times have changed, but Nancy is very free with her information, isn't she? Like, really specific information. Um, high school with teacher no but he does it in a very specific way doesn't he like i know you we were to I, I know i know you from high school Who i don't know your... you're right but it, i was watching it thinking this is creepy well it is creepy yeah, yeah. i don't i'm not i'm not but sure i think nancy thinks it's she doesn't she's not sure what's going on but he definitely he catches her off guard i i, I kind of buy it like yeah when you when you put people in uncomfortable, awkward situations, they sometimes don't know how to react. She so clearly she is answers. uncomfortable. You're right. She's definitely off guard, and she's like she's confused. Maybe again, maybe I'm being harsh, but I guess mm-hmm. under the you know, given given the way things are, and the way people are taught to be with their personal information nowadays. Mm. Just on a bit of a, a tangent, do you remember your twelfth grade English teacher's no. name? Well, actually, maybe it it's me. <laughs> I am the twelfth grade English teacher. All right, so, so you you hope that in twenty five years time, your kids are going to remember who their twelfth grade English teacher was. Yeah, they won't. Though. <laughs> oh well, sure they will. Oh well, they'll be like there was that weird Canadian guy. Do they know you're Canadian? Does oh it, yeah. Does oh, it come up? <laughs> definitely comes up do they know that you're radically canadian <laughs> no they don't know that okay so keep that under wraps <laughs> yes <laughs> anything more about nancy taylor before we move on no no okay uh, but <laughs> speaking of getting interested in nancy he also then gets interested in rita and actually it starts off quite nicely doesn't it because he just he's just helping her out with stuff in the van and he's like tell me about yourself which I think is actually not too bad. It's sort of softening Phil, isn't it? Well, no? I I watch that scene that it's not. I don't think it's supposed to be genuine, right? 
he doesn't really care about her. It's uh, it's it's pre- it's pretty much. It might look a little different, but it's the same thing as Nancy Taylor. He's just trying to figure out what's the best play to get what I want out of this. Okay. Which is to sleep with her. So mm. I I think he's acting that way because he he knows this is what it's going to take to try and woo her. No, that's fair enough. I mean, I mean, it's I guess what happens next is you know backs that up, doesn't it? He he's absolutely planning this down to the the last detail yeah because he's making mental notes as he goes along and she yeah. sort of calls him out a couple of times you know no white chocolate you mm-hmm. know all yeah. this stuff and it is and he uh, it's 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 discerning really isn't it he's <laughs> just building up a checklist well, he, of things he should and shouldn't do he doesn't like that drink that he orders the sweet no. vermouth with a lime twist mm-hmm. <laughs> He doesn't. He makes a face when he drinks it, but yeah, it's completely disingenuous. <laughs> it's a, it's a when he uh, when he makes a, they they say a prayer for world peace. Oh. His face when he says, right. "Oh man," he's like, "Oh, it's so horrible." Listen, I, I just need to say this, um, and apologies to anyone who who kind of feels strongly about this, but when she says, "I like to drink to world peace," oh my god, that is so lame. <laughs> it just, it's it's like. Um, it's the old stereotypical like beauty pageant like what do you wish for and then they all say i wish for world peace it's that kind of thing isn't it it's just like oh give me a break and she kind of makes a face at him when he's he's like have this drink to the groundhog which is like that's not a cat i mean he is a cat and he's being a cat she doesn't Mm. know it though it's not a jerk thing to say it's kind of nice and she gives him a face like "Eh." what about world peace though yeah why would you drink to the groundhog when there's war? And because right. toasting something or drinking to something really makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, right. every time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's a line in that little sequence too, by the way, um, that I I love to repeat. Uh, although I always I say it wrong, I always add an extra word that's not in there. When he asks her what she studied in college, and she says 18th century French poetry, and he's like, "What did?" I always say incredible. I always throw the word incredible. He says, what a waste of time. Yeah. This is about a million miles from where I started out in college. You weren't uh, in broadcasting or journalism? Mm Mm-mm. Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. (laughs) What a waste of time. I mean, for someone else, that would be an incredible waste of time. So bold of you to choose that. It's incredible. You must be a very, very strong person. I love that line. There is something about that line that always makes me think of you, Chris. And I don't. I think it must be because yeah. you you reference it. Yes, because when people say something, I'm like, oh, what a waste of time. But I always thought the word incredible. What an incredible waste of time. And that's I mean, yeah, that's you you're, you're doubling down on how much of a waste of time yeah. it was. Yeah, I so love that line. The, perhaps so, yeah. the king of all small stuffs happens in this scene. It opens. That scene opens at least twice with uh, a. A waitress taking four enormous yeah, the steins. glass yeah. steins yeah. of beer to Liters the table yeah. behind them, and the table behind them is like these these old dudes <laughs> and and like I don't know these these old dudes niece or something. It's yeah. just, and it's, they've all they've all got these absolutely enormous <laughs> like two pint beer steins that are just downing them. So here's my here's my theory on that because I I chuckled on that one as well. I think if you're in a bar and you want a beer and you notice that they will serve you a stein of beer, so I think that's a litre at least, maybe more, you always buy it 
Okay. Whether or not it's a... Ooh, so, we can have an enormous beer. They don't even yeah. want them. They're no, just, no, I don't think so. Yeah. No. Okay. Just, you have to. It's like, I wonder what the footlong hot dog's like. Mm, okay. Yeah. It's the novelty of it. But you're right. They're like uh, late 60s, early 70s. It's not 70s. Ralph and Gus no, no. drinking these. They're like... Yeah, anyway. I can't go into any detail on this, um, but I'm just going to bring up real quickly too. There is I've 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 read it online before. There is a theory on the movie that the bartender uh, that he is also reliving the day, and he, I guess people interpret the way he looks because he he kind of uh, he looks disappointed Phil. at Phil, doesn't he? But he also he, he looks he looks knowingly at times. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, is he in on it? Like, yeah, he, he looks different to everybody else. There's definitely an online theory that he's that he's part that he's also reliving the day. His pursuit of Rita ends with an amazing slap montage. I've got nothing to say about it except that it's an amazing slap montage. Mm-hmm. How many times did Bill Murray have to get slapped? I mean, I know there's what they call like stage slaps, but mm. these aren't them. He's making some contact with them anyway. Yeah. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure if this fits in exactly. Right now, but I'm gonna get go ahead and go just mm-hmm. with this point. Obviously, this movie's 30 years ago, or th- more than 30 years ago, and so every the lens when we look at this stuff has shifted. There's some pretty creepy stuff with Phil and Rita in these scenes. Yeah, um, yeah. like when she's going to sleep and he's like, "I won't <clears throat> touch you." Pause. Much. Mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, she's sleeping, dude. Like, yeah, that's just creepy. She's pretty adamant she doesn't want to be in the room and she yeah. has to go and he's hands all over her. Like watching that stuff now. Like, uh, it's funny how things have changed. I was but... watching this with, with my wife and we were talking like it's like the lyrics to Baby It's Cold Outside mm. where she wants mm-hmm. to go and he's saying no, no, no. Um, and it is creepy, isn't it? it like you yeah. say, the lens has shifted somewhat and now it, it made me well, feel uncomfortable. The the understanding we all had back then that was wrong, by the way, and that we've come to realize isn't true, right, is that she really doesn't mean it. And that, uh, you know, obviously she wants to stay. What woman wouldn't want to stay? Mm. Me. And so it's mm-hmm. it's right for you to go on and be persistent because it's all just an act on her part. And, yeah, it's just it's, times have changed. And for the still better. Mm. Yeah, watching them, like, I cringed. <laughs> Yep. He does eventually give up his pursuit of Rita after it goes <clears> wrong <throat> many, many times, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And then it's the, the dark portion of the movie, isn't it, from from Phil's point of view yeah. anyway. Uh, kind of like this bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. So one of the earlier scenes in this is when he's he's watching, we mentioned it earlier, he's watching Jeopardy in the lounge in the old age people's home. That is <laughs> the lounge. And obviously he's watched this thousands of times maybe in the past, so he knows all the answers. And the way he answers the questions quicker and quicker to the point where he's not even waiting for the question, he's staring at them. I love the way he just stares at them, like looking through their soul and tells them the answer before the question. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So I have a couple of questions for you guys here on this part. Is it about lakes and um, rivers? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So, because you guys have already corrected me once, right? Like that when he goes to bed, it's how he was on that original Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. So why does he look disheveled? 
probably because he hasn't showered. He hasn't bothered to brush his hair. He hasn't. He's just, he's given up, Chris. He's just, he's not looking. I mean, I appreciate it's only like a day's worth of not looking after yourself, but he's just not bothered anymore. You know, he's just, he's a, I, I, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, he's cynical at the best of times. Even when he's, he's happy, he's cynical. So it's not like he's wearing a smile earlier in the film, which makes him look younger right. and happier. It's got, yeah. I can only assume it's just because he, he's decided he can't be asked. Yeah, to, do, to do anything looking yeah with anything he just ro- literally rolls out of bed yeah. is, yeah. he, is he in but his pajamas when he's watching probably, jeopardy probably yes i think he is yeah. yes he is yeah maybe he just rolled out of bed and mm. just downstairs and watch jeopardy i don't know and then in the same uh section too i love the way larry says he said it was gourd <laughs> <laughs> and it goes high pitch on the last word <sighs> yes so we see them him breaking the uh, clock radio thing several times, yeah, in different ways. And there's one, and I I had to do a little bit of investigation because I was curious when he he picks it up and then throws it down, like quite dramatically. And then you see see the pieces of it. It is completely destroyed. It's yeah. like a hundred pieces. I'm thinking, nah, that wouldn't happen. So apparently, what happened? He did it, and it barely broke. Makes so sense. the crew came along and smashed it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they overdid it. They might have overdone it a little bit. <laughs> Especially because it's still like... Making a noise, Still making right? a noise, yeah. yeah. You can still yeah. tell what's the, the song. Mm. Uh, then he steals Phil. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going overboard with this stuff. Because I have all kinds... This is what I love about movies like this, though. I love di- diving into all these questions mm-hmm. that really can't be answered. And they don't try to. So there's footage of people after Phil dies, right? Yeah. Like there's Rita yeah. and Larry identifying the body. Mm-hmm. So what are what what are we assuming? What's going like? Does the day continue for everybody until six a.m.? I don't know. Or are they different <laughs> threads? They, like, is every time he's waking up, is he creating a new an alternate timeline? A new alternate timeline that goes on forever. Or does it reset for? That's it's a really was, good because question. they showed people alive after he was alive. Yeah. That's what it made me wonder. Yeah, yeah, and no, that's true. I think uh, I don't have a theory. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, I think it just resets, but no one knows about it except for him. So, because if it doesn't, that that changes things. That means there are moral consequences for his decisions. Well, I guess it it yeah. um, mm-hmm. that's true. But also, I I would say this is. I'm sure there are many, many theories out there that I have not looked at, but there must be a theory that this is actually just an internal thing he's going through. Like this is inside his head. It's like a, 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 not a vision, but you know what I mean? Like this is a purely psychological thing that he's going through. He, he doesn't explain a lot of things. play but. the piano. Like he's yeah, the, I was going to say, yeah, he that's true. Right, that's his, and is ice sculpting? Well, look, yeah. it's not real, okay? It's... It's a fantasy, so shut up. <laughs> Anything else about the um, the the darkest timeline, the suicide montage and such? I do like the toaster, oh. yeah, like the where he he goes to get the toaster and then goes to sit back in the bath with it. Yeah. Um, the way he walks down to the restaurant, picks it up, doesn't say a word, doesn't look at anyone really, uh, then plugs it back in in the bath, but doesn't take the toast out. Mm. It's still got red. I, I appreciate it. that. Yeah. yeah. 
only um to say that and this is kind of I mean, people that have looked into the background of this movie would i'm not saying they don't know um they had a lot darker stuff planned oh, and wrote and they and they decided not to do like they they had some pretty awful stuff to show that there were no consequences and how far he'd fallen but what they thought once they they've never filmed it but they wrote it and they're like if we do this people will turn against Phil and won't come back. Yeah, yeah. And then we won't be able to achieve any kind of... Uh, he can't... So taking him to places where he can't be redeemed from. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because... And if you think about it, I mean, I, I know there's there's sort of talk about how many... how long he'd been in the loop, and I've read, you know, 10 years or 10,000 days or whatever. You think, you're going to do some dark stuff, aren't you? And we see the tip of the iceberg, and you're right, Chris. I, I read some stuff about some of the things that they'd planned to do, uh, and it just it just wouldn't fly. You you right, you lose the audience to this guy. He'd suddenly become this unrecognizable character that you wouldn't root for in any way. So yeah, good call on that. I think. I do want to share a real quick story here. Uh, so I showed this this um, movie when you're in summer school. Mm-hmm. And when we were done, I had a writing assignment that I wanted the kids to write about what would you do if you had no consequences like Phil and you could do anything in your life. And these were summer school kids. These are kids that, you know, were struggling and probably life wasn't going all that smoothly for them in the first place. And I was kind of hoping to get some uplifting, you know, inspirational kind of stuff. (laughs) This This is after they've seen the film. They've watched the movie. Now they're going to write about what would you do with eternity, which is a question they ask in the movie. And though I just remember the one boy who wrote, I would, I would steal cars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, Dream big. That's, that's <laughs> what he'd do with eternity. Yes. Uh, yep. <laughs> so. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. I wonder what he's doing the now. Biggest dreams. Yeah. Stealing cars? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's probably in jail, right? If that was his dream. That's how good chance. he is. Yeah, well, quite. Yeah, well, lucky for him, he can live his dreams. So. You get really, really good at stealing cars, <laughs> yeah. though, if you did it. You get it wrong once; it's all over. You're in jail, probably. No, because you, then you live the day the, the the same the next day. Yeah, oh, that's okay. true. <laughs> Go steal the same car. Yeah, and mm. just do it right next time. I have questions, but not for now, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, what changes with Phil? Like at this point, like how does he get out of that really dark phase? What is the what is the thing that turns him round? Does he just realize that he's this isn't the way to spend eternity? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we we have that scene in the diner where he explains to Rita that he's a god, mm-hmm. or tries to explain. And I, when I watched it, it's my my feeling is that that's the first time. It's the first day he's deciding. You know what? This isn't this is this isn't working. I need to do something else. I need to try and talk to somebody about this in a, in a meaningful way and trying to be sort of eloquent about it and that's the i don't i don't know what would what would trigger that decision but i guess you can only do dark stuff for such a long mm. period of time and and maybe i don't know why not why not do something else eh? yeah that's ultimately it, isn't it well i think it's one of the reasons why the movie is so resonant with people and even to this day and and why one of the interesting things about it there are so many different religious factions that claim this movie is their own. And uh, it's the lesson that, that Phil learns here in this moment. And we, I, I know one of the things you guys love to talk about um, 
with some podcasts I've been on and I'm listening to other ones I haven't been is you always like to talk about when movies show don't tell. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have a moment where they tell us he's figured it out. They just show us, they show that scene with mm-hmm. Rita where he, where he, he realizes that he, he doesn't want to sleep with her anymore. He wants to have a, an actual real human connection with her. Mm-hmm. And once he realizes that that's what life is all about is these real connections that we make with each other, then that's where the movie moves into its last half. Mm. There's the great scene where he's in the, the diner and he's hearing the music playing. And that's mm-hmm. like, that prompts him to go and get the piano lessons. Mm. There's a guy yeah. in the booth behind who's wearing a terrible red hat. Yes. Red hat. Awful. Um, yeah. Wrote that down. It's really, it's like a it's really bright red. And it's yeah. Very red. Big and mm-hmm. poor choice. Yeah. Good. Handy's hats. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, I maybe have jumped ahead a little bit. Was there anything you wanted to say about um, the day he spends with Rita, where they try just and the line of... at the at the end of it? Um, this movie mostly it's all the right notes with me and is uh, to borrow a term definitely a rewatchable. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that, when they spend that really perfect day together, and he's not trying to sleep with her, mm-hmm. and they're laying in bed, and he says. Gosh, you're an upbeat lady. <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. It's such a weird line. It doesn't sound right coming out of Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I get what I, they're I, going for, what they're trying to get here, but I don't know. I think Bill Murray's a really, really good actor, actually. That line, it just... It's a hard work. line to deliver, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe George Lucas wrote it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Soul contribution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, then yes, so I, I did jump ahead a little bit when I was talking about the piano, and so Phil becomes tries to become his best mm. self. He does. I do like the piano. It's not the piano scene, is it? But when he goes to, to the to the uh, piano teachers for the first time, mm-hmm. I love the way she kicks her existing people out so quickly. Yeah, you know, she kind of hustles her out the door and slams the door because she was she's so polite at that uh, up until that point <laughs> until a thousand dollars. Well, no, uh, I'm with a student, and yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, so, I, his dad was a piano mover, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like the way later on she she claims credit mm. for him being her student, even though yep. she's only met him yeah. one afternoon, one day, yeah, yeah. and he's gone to? I have a note about that. Yeah. I, I think actually, again, and I hate to nip. I, I sound like I'm kind of no. It's right. You're taking Andy's. Love. You're taking Andy's role from the last part. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. I ruined it for everyone because. She says he's my student, very proud. Like, there's no way that she would think he'd had one lesson if he showed up and could play like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, what clearly is she he's lying him? to you. What, what, what is she teaching him in that I mean, one she, lesson? He's he turns, a better pianist than she is. Yeah, though. he's like Rachmaninoff. He turns yeah. up and, and suddenly... Right. <laughs> if somebody can play like that and they said, hey, this is the first time I ever played, I'm like, well, you're lying. Like, that's yeah. like, okay, lie about that if you want because yeah. you've obviously played your whole life she's trying to get as much glory as she can that's she's it. also yes. doing a terrible dance move mm, there's quite a few <laughs> terrible anyway. dance moves in this yeah. i don't know if this is overstating things but i wrote it with a question mark the heart of the movie uh, is the next sequence where he tries to save the old man from yeah. dying mm. yep chris did you want to mention something about that just a real little detail that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a small stuff thing. Did you see? Did you see the kid in the hospital? No. 
The kid that fell out of the tree. Is it him in the hospital? He's in the background in the hospital. I think oh. he's got a leg cast or something like that on. That looks so, so good. good. Yeah. That's great. Oh, you're doing this better than us. Yeah. Because <laughs> Phil hadn't been there to, to catch him. Yeah. So he fell and broke his leg. Yeah. He's in the background. We must try harder. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I love how he, just speaking about the old man himself, he calls him, I think he calls him dad at one point. He calls him pop at one point. Mm-hmm. And he's, pop. he's really got a, like a familial bond with him by this point in the film, which I think is, that's great. That, uh, and I just mentioned a moment ago that I think Bill Murray is a good actor. And I think that little, those montage of scenes is him at his best in this movie. Mm, personally, yeah. you can feel his pain. Mm-hmm. And then starts the last day, the last groundhog day when he gives his speech. The, the, the <laughs> he has everyone in absolute like <sighs> raptures, whatever the expression is. Uh, and then he goes off to run his errands. There's a couple of things here. So my favourite errand of of his is the uh, is the tyre replacement service. <laughs> so within seconds of them stopping the car, the jack is engaged and they're going up and yeah. down. And she says, oh, it's an earthquake. Mm-hmm. I love those three women in that car. I think they're wonderful. They're, they're so, I don't know, they're, they're kind of locked in a in a... A picture of 40, 50 years ago when this might even happen. Mm. And when he says he's from, I don't know, what, the auto club or something, yeah. <laughs> he says he's from, they just buy it. Just let yeah. him get on with it. And they're, they're, they're enjoying the ride. I love those guys. One of the women says he must be from the auto club because all he says was, I had the jack. I had the tire, I had the yeah. jack. <laughs> no problem. So I think my favorite scene, actually, I guess it we've the whole party and the bachelor auction i would say i would put down as my favorite scene in the movie um i mean you know from a purely entertainment level <laughs> larry is now hanging out with nancy larry is a mm-hmm. piece of work isn't he yeah <laughs> and they go to the the oh he he does that awful thing with i'm just going to drop a drop leave a tip <laughs> and then he takes half of it back and yeah and they walk into the where the dance is happening and his little dance he does. Oh, it's horrid. It's so bad, but it's so horrid. good. It's horrid. It's, it's Larry. You see the real Larry there. Yeah. He he asks Nancy if he'd like to see the inside of a van. Like, not even... <laughs> it's like, what? Is that how you talk to anyone, let alone women? I mean, you talk about how things have changed for, in 30 years. Can you imagine asking anybody, would you like to see the inside of a van? Yeah, really? <laughs> No, I'll give that a miss. Thanks. <laughs> Who and says this movie yes came out after Silence of the Lambs? So, <laughs> uh, but I also want to mention how Larry, when Larry goes up on stage for the Bachelor auction, it's just so good. The music that they play is so good. And his slow spin is brilliant. And Buster goes, "What are my bids for this guy?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, his face when he Larry. sees who's won won the bid. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty five cents, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Two bits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Larry. I have one follow up question. Would Phil ever be able to explain to Rita what happened? We're assuming that they live happily ever after. They rent a place in Punxsutawney, whatever. Can he ever explain to her what happened to her? Yeah, do you even risk trying? Do you try? Do you because 
I think if you try to explain, you sound like a crazy person. Mm. So um, the the video uh, that I was watching was through um, AMC Plus, mm-hmm. and they had like little show notes going along with it when you watched. And at the end, that one of the show notes said that they had a sequel planned, uh, where it's February third, and Rita starts repeating the day. Oh, oh my goodness! I think that would have been quite cool. I like that. Then, and if that happens, then they can share notes, right? They can. Right. The problem is, it doesn't work because Rita's perfect. (laughs) Right. What does she? What does she learn? What does she get out of it? Yeah. Um, ice sculpting. No. uh, I, I do remember, like, watching this movie and thinking that what you just said, though, Jess, like, if he didn't explain it to him when he knew it was going to happen, he never can say anything ever again because it would just sound crazy. Yeah. Although I guess he could show that he knows about everybody, but... I mean, he did it once. Really sells her, right. But what really sells her is his ability to be like, the thing's going to... The, the guy's going to drop the things. Yep. And then he writes down what <clears throat> Larry was about to say on the mm-hmm. napkin. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's what sells it he can't do that part of it anymore yeah it's 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 a risky move isn't it to try and explain but how do you not share it with someone like how do you go the rest of your life he's Mm -hmm. done it for however ten thousand days or whatever it is Uh, all right we will take a break All right, let's get on with the categories. We'll do the quick hits first. Uh, there were no, there was no use of binoculars, so we can't check whether it was done correctly through POV. We need to talk very briefly about bad ways to die. There are a few deaths in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the worst? What's the worst way to die, Chris? Oh, I got to think the toaster. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. I think the the most dramatic way to die is the truck going over the cliff and the quarry and when mm-hmm. the way it lands flat on its roof. Yeah. But that will be quick and so not necessarily the worst way to die. Larry's response to that's pretty funny. You yeah. might be okay. <laughs> Probably not now. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, I think Toaster, you're we, right. Can we talk about that just real, real quickly? Mm. Just just a kind of a yes or no. You all right with them putting some humor in there? Yeah. Mm. When I watched it this time, I was I wasn't quite a hundred percent sure how I felt. There's also humor. The there's also humor in the morgue when mm. Larry's like, "He was a great guy. I really, really liked him a lot." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy in the morgue cares. I don't. I don't care whether you liked him or not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so you're going toaster, Chris. I think toaster probably, Andy. I think toaster. I think yeah. so. Uh, there there were no backhanded spit wipes. I thought maybe Ralph or Gus might give us a backhanded spit wipe, but I, I didn't see any, unless no. I've missed them. I apologize if I have. Yeah. I didn't see any. Uh, a new category, a new quick hit category, um, Andy's hat. Right. There are a lot of hats in this. What we got? We got Ned's hat. Ned's hat, right. for sure. The, all of the top hats on the stage. Yeah, yeah. I like a top hat. Yeah. The cowboy hat he wears when he, he yeah, insists yeah. on mm-hmm. being called Bronco. Yep. And uh, there's a red hat in the diner, which I think you mentioned earlier. And Gus has got a green cap on, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah with the ear warmers. And Ralph has one as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is this is a no contest. No? 
Okay. I didn't really want. Now it is is unquestionably Bronco's hat. Bronco. Yeah. yeah okay. The yeah. cowboy hat when he dressed yeah. up as Bronco. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Good. I'll circle it. Congratulations. All right. Let's let's get on to the main categories. Audio corner. Got any nominations, Chris? Got any a winner? Well, um, yeah. Um, I guess I'm going to broaden out the definition. You said it's anything audio related. Yeah, so of course. I'm going to go with the needle drop. Uh, you don't know me by Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. I think that needle drop is one of the best interludes of music I've ever seen in a movie. It's right there. It'd be probably be on my Mount Rushmore. So what sequ remind me what sequence that is? It's at the end of um the first perfect date with um with Rita okay. and they're dancing in the gazebo. Yeah. It's right yep. after the snowball fight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. just perfect. It's amazing. It really yeah, it works a treat, doesn't it? It evokes uh, the mood yeah. they want. Yeah, brilliantly. Yeah, nice. So that's your winner? Yeah. Yeah, good. And by the way, that is perfectly <laughs> legit audio corner. Um, stuff so that's perfect okay so that's quite highbrow mine's cheap and dirty i feel i'm shamed Go on, by no, this good. it's um and i can't do it because i can't roll my ass but it's the kind of high-pitched purr that ned ryerson does um oh, at the yeah, party yeah. and i forget what rita says something he, he again he tries to oh it's like um don't spoil it yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah um it's like what you're doing tonight, something else, you know, that sort of thing. He kind but of does it, like a wow kind yes, of thing. And, and yeah, that uh, I wish I could do it. I don't know why, because everyone would hate me. Um, <laughs> just going around doing that all yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think it's, I'm just bitter because I can't roll my R's. But there we are. It's Ned's. He comes up to me and then he buys whole life term, uniflex, fire, theft, auto, dental, health, with the optional death and dismemberment plan, water damage, fill. This is the best day of my life. Mine too. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Where are we going? Oh, let's not spoil it. <laughs> oh, let's not. Oh, I got that. So there's the answer to the question. What What will Andy do with eternity if he ever had it live every day? Learn to roll my arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got I got three. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order. I love the revving of the truck engine in the quarry when you can't see the truck, but then you hear it like mm-hmm. grou- grumbling in the in the distance. I love that. Um, I love it when he shoves like, an entire slice of cake into his mouth and then says what. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But my winner is when he he's dressed as Bronco. Mm-hmm. They're outside the movie theater, and he sees Nancy go by, and he says, "My my former fiance doesn't remember me." <laughs> my own fiance doesn't remember me. He's like, "Hey, Nancy." Yeah, he just the way he says doesn't remember me. I just love that you know? so much. I love that scene. We we didn't talk about it at all, but. That's so good. It's yeah. just completely irreverent, right? Yeah. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. Call me Bronco. Bronco. <laughs> uh, Two so... tickets. One adult. <laughs> he's trying to. He's trying to get her in as a, like a concession or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a piece of work! Oh, I didn't take it as he was trying to save money. I think he was insulting her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably it could be both. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, best looking scene. There aren't a lot, I don't think. <clears throat> I have, I have two, and one winner. Um, so, 
you mentioned it for the audio corner, Chris, but I love the scene where they're dancing on the bandstand and the snow is falling. Um, it just looks yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, that's my pick too. Okay, nice. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> again, mine, mine seems raw and uh, uncivilized based on... I, I will just give you my, uh, my winner. Um, mine is also raw and uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Is when the truck smashes through the gate at the quarry. And that's mine. It's so visceral. Yeah, I was going to use the same word. It I mean, is so... I mean, they're real gates and these hit them hard, right? Yeah, it's really cool. a real truck. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, sorry, Chris. Your highbrow dancing on the bandstand gets outvoted. Truck um, smashes through gates. I had another gates. highbrow one that I had as, as a runner-up, too, because yeah, I also on. love the snowball thing. <laughs> is that highbrow? <laughs> it's quite nice. Apart from the second time. Yeah, when the, he... well, I love the way it's shot. Yeah. yeah. Mm. The lighting the of moonlight. it. Yeah, yeah, no, good. Mm-hmm. Your second time around, he's being super weird about wanting to adopt the kids, and it's not so much fun then. Yeah. <laughs> are, any, are any of you up for adoption? Yeah. <laughs> Quick kids, run away <laughs> from this freak show. <laughs> okay. Monsieur Mendel Award for our favorite incidental character. So, depending on how you look at it, there are hundreds of incidental characters mm-hmm. or very few incidental characters because everybody has a little part to play in in phil's journey but um i think there are a lot of incidental characters uh any any honorable mentions anyone the bartender yeah he's on my list i've mentioned the uh uh they're, they're credited as flat tire ladies or women i think okay those those three women in the car uh, i like them psychologist I don't like him though. I think yeah, he's, he's a good character, but yeah. I think he's. I don't like him. It's rubbish. Okay. Yep. The man in the hallway. Do you think it's going to be in early spring? I, do you know what I like uh, about man in the hallway? Is he's like the temperature gauge on Phil's mood, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, the part where he's depressed, he's like, you you can tell in the way that he behaves to man in the hallway. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I like that about him. And it, at him the beginning, when he's just cynical. Yeah. He's like you predicting it. He's like I, I'm predicting March 21st. <laughs> okay. It is a ridiculous question to ask someone. Do you think it's going to be an early spring? It's Groundhog I mean, Day. Then. But, well, it's uh, only, right? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Only because it's Groundhog Day can you ask that. <laughs> who have you got then? Who's your favorite? Who's your Monsieur Mendel? I mean, I think it's an all timer. It's Ned Ryerson. I mean, we all love Ned. I'm. I haven't chosen him because I think he's he's not incidental enough. But maybe. Okay. I th- no, no, it's fine. I'm happy for you to. I, to have I thought it. we'd all pick Ned, so I didn't. Uh, I mean, we could almost change the category to the Ned Ryerson Award for right favorite. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, by the way, because Monsieur Mendel is is an mm-hmm. all timer. But anyway. Yeah. Mine's Mrs. Lancaster. She's not that incidental, but everything she I mean, says is trivial. She's more incidental than Ned, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Probably fits the category better. I was wondering when, when I wrote down Ned, I'm like, I don't know. This almost feels like cheating. Yeah, he's so he's um, super obvious, isn't yeah. he? I mean, no, I think he's right. I think we've got to call him out. I think Ned Ryerson actually is the real winner, but this is well, Lancaster. I almost feel like when you... When you saw this film for the first time, aside from the quirk of it being a repetitive day, the thing you remember is Ned Ryerson. He's he's so right. he's yeah. so in your face and prominent and and just classic. 
Yeah. Well, and and to give you like an example too, like I've seen Brian Doyle Murray and other things, mm-hmm. and I don't think, hey, it's the mayor from Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Anytime Stephen Tobolowski's in anything, you're like, oh, Ned Ryerson's in this. Yeah. Like, yeah, you do. It will follow exactly. him forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's iconic. He's an iconic. So a podcaster that I listen to, I used to listen to quite a lot, David Chen, he did a whole sequence of podcasts called the tobolowski files or something like that with steven tobolowski and i haven't listened to any of them but i'm just this is just sort of reminded me of that i might have to go and look those mm. up apparently he's an incredibly interesting entertaining guy like just to have conversations with and he's got so many stories and anyway well i think something that makes ned interesting too is as a um from i mean as far as steven tobolowski is concerned is he's not a comedian in the way like the bill murray is who you could just be like, hey, Bill, go into this room and be funny and entertain people. And he, I, maybe he is like that, but but Ned is a character that he built. Mm. And I, I I can imagine, I, I bet he spent a lot of time thinking about the nuances of how he would present this character. And like every decision he makes in this movie seems to work. Like it's just, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, he's an actor doing something funny, not a funny guy acting. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Great analysis of Ned Ryerson. Love it. Uh, so I am going to pick Ralph as my Monsieur Mendel award winner because he's not Gus. He's not as prominent as Gus, but he's obsessed with flapjacks. Mm-hmm. And the way he tries to get into his car is one of the funniest bits in the whole movie when he's trying to do so you, oh, you have to jiggle the handle and he just falls over. <laughs> he's great. I yeah. love I love Ralph. So, uh, yeah, I give it to Ralph, Chris, Ned Ryerson for you, and Andy, you're giving it to Mrs. Lancaster. Indeed. Uh, the best location in the film? Simply because I want one near where I live. It's the diner. The tip-top diner? Yeah, I want to go someplace where someone will wait on me, bring me coffee and donuts, and and I can just sit there all day and do whatever, and just eat and drink. Yeah. It's not a thing in England, really. Not so much. So. Yeah. No, I, I, I've got Tip Top Diner written down. It's not my winner, but yeah. it's yeah, it's on my list. I, I went ahead and went with Phil's room. It's a great room. The fact that he got his, he's got it like a little skylight that he keeps the ice cream on the window. It's great. He's got a great view, right? When yeah. he opens the the curtains at the end and sees it, it's tomorrow. Mm. It's wonderful, yeah. right? <clears throat> got like a little, like you said, it's a suite. There's a little sitting area there mm. by the fireplace. And- yeah, the fake fire. He said he calls it a fake fire. He, at one does, point, yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. he does call it a fake fire. So I am choosing something for the name only. Gobbler's Knob. Fair. <laughs> That's it. It's as simple as that. I don't care. I don't care about Gobbler's Knob except that it's got the most amazing name of all time. It's worse if you uh, interchange the word. Yeah, yeah. All right. Stop it. Nope. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. What souvenir would you like from the film? Christopher, ah, this is easy. I'll take the clock. It's pretty. It's it's an, it's almost a Ned Ryerson level category winner, right? Yeah, I wrote it down, but I'm I'm not choosing. I'm choosing something else because it's so obvious. I'm taking the clock. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because I'd use it, right? right. I've always, I always wanted one of those uh, clock radios with the, the flippy numbers. The flippy numbers. And frankly, they're too bad, really, now. I mean, no one ever does those things. Mm. I just fancy it. And I think, uh, you know, 
I would have it there. I Actually, like the analog nature of it. It's obviously not a digital radio. It is an analog radio. It is like a physical number flipping clock mm-hmm. thing. I like it. I love that. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just slightly change it. So instead of the clock itself, I know I've read this before. You know um, the shop when it's it's going from five fifty nine to six, and they show the numbers flipping. Mm-hmm. It's like. So that's they didn't get up close on the clock. They built giant numbers. <laughs> really? Yes. Good. So there. So I just want that. You want the giant numbers? The giant numbers. And I would five fifty nine. Yes. That's so good. I'll tell you what. I, and people I would... would come down into my basement and be in my little family room and be like, "What is that?" I'm, I'm like, "That's from Groundhog Day. It's the clock switching to six o'clock." Yeah, that's what I want. Okay. I bet I can find the model of that clock radio and buy one. Stand by, listeners. Maybe not. I might be tough, actually. So I, I wrote down clock, but because in a Ned Ryerson style, I knew it was going to be popular, I am going to go for the book of poems that he's reading. It's called Poems for Every Mood. And it's just a nice-looking book. you know. And I'm not much into poetry, but I bet if I had a book like that, I'd probably give it a read and, and get to know poetry a little bit more. And I'd like that. Well, it's your birthday soon. Okay, po- poems for every mood. It needs to be the one from the movie, though. So, Damn it. Yeah. Let's not get carried away. Final, uh, no, not final category. Sorry. Next category, coolest look. There aren't a lot of cool looks that's in easy. this film. Is it? Go on, then. Bronco. Yeah. Simple. That's it. That's what I have to do. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no question about it. The cowboy outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. We're all in agreement. It's Excellent. definitely not Ned Ryerson's coat. I almost feel. <laughs> I almost feel like that might be a, a, a new category name because it's universe, it's unanimous, and it's so obvious. Yeah. Uh, let's finish as we always do with closing credit. It's nice this one because there are a few to choose from, so I'm just going to list some. Um, well, three actually. So the first one I've mentioned already, the flat tire lady. There's three of them in the uh, in the movie credits. Uh, there is, and I'm struggling to think who this is, Woman with Cigarette. I can't think who that is. Oh, I know who it is. I know who it is. It's when he's he's just rescued or saved Buster. He's just done the Heimlich maneuver on Buster, right. and he yep. lights someone's cigarette. Oh, yes, he does. That's quite cool. It's quite yeah. a slick move, isn't yeah. it? Yep, you're right. Um, but- and I noticed it not just because of him lighting the cigarette. It's supposed to be like he's Mr. Suave. He knows yeah. everything that's going to happen. But I thought to myself when that happened, oh, yeah, back when people smoke. would smoke at the dinner table yeah. at a restaurant. <laughs> and everyone would be fine with it, fine to the point that someone would light <laughs> yes. it for them. Yeah. yeah. But the winner wow. this, this time is, uh, we've mentioned him already, is Ken Hudson Campbell, who plays Man in the Hallway. Man in um, the Hallway. Uh, right. He's... he's uh, it's weird. He's been in some, I say big movies, but not many. So he was in Armageddon. Not a big part, but he was. But he was also Santa in Home Alone. I'm like, Santa? I couldn't remember Santa being in Home Alone. I mean, obviously, it's sort of Christmas adjacent, if nothing else. But there's that bit in Home Alone where he's, I think, I think he's in the street and he asks, he sees Santa, I guess, just finished a shift in the mall or whatever, uh, and he's getting into his car. And I think that's him. All right. Yeah, so, good. so what's his name? So, Ken Hudson Campbell. Very good. Mm. Can I just ask a question real quickly about Ken Hudson Campbell? Mm. He's in Home Alone and in Groundhog Day. Yeah. Those movies get shown 
all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so he gets a check every month, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, man in the hallway is it's probably his worst gig actually. You know, he's got a name in Armageddon, and he's Santa in Home right. Alone. Armageddon gets shown a lot too, but yeah. Home Alone and Groundhog Day are on all the time. I wonder what the size of. I wonder how much he gets because he would get a check every month. I would guess. So I had a friend who was a sort of teenage actor, and he was in one episode of Casualty. Casualty was a UK TV show based in a an emergency room in a UK hospital, and it always started with uh, someone, some accident or some catastrophe mm-hmm. befalling someone, and then having them having to be rushed to the emergency de- department, right? So my friend, <laughs> he was in one episode. They went joy at the beginning of the episode. They went joyriding. He went through the front windscreen of the car and died. Right. That was that was it. So the show hadn't even started, and he his character was not in it anymore. Yep. He used to get checks like for six hundred pounds, just like showing up when they, mm-hmm. they'd shown it in like Indonesia or something. Wow. And that's casualty. I mean, I might be overstating it a little bit, but uh, that was my memory of it. Was anyway, I digress. So Ken's probably doing pretty well for himself. He's all right. Yeah. yeah. Well done, man in the hallway. Yeah. Okay, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chris. Hey, let's do it all again. Definitely. Uh, cheerio from me. Next time we'll be discussing the raid redemption, which. You can't get much further away in terms of tone from this movie to the next. I think I think we're we're going out on a on a limb here. Uh, anyway, um, also worth mentioning about the raid is that if you're in the UK, it's currently streaming on Netflix. Uh, so maybe give it a watch if you want to join us. But don't forget the small stuff. <laughs>